I love making dumplings. I love eating dumplings. I love all Chinese food. But if, if I've got a great recipe I make at home I've made for the last 20 years, I'm a dumpling. I tell us I'm a dumpling whore. Hey, it's Nate DeSaro, and welcome to Titans of Industry, the podcast where I talk to industry leaders and innovators who are at the top of their game and leading the pack in their fields, uncovering some of the best stories in today's business landscape. In this episode, I speak with Kevin Shalin, food reviewer and blogger for The Mighty Rib. He's a beloved icon in the Little Rock restaurant scene and prides himself on authentic, unbiased chronicles of local cuisine. His work has been featured in publications like Only in Arkansas, Arkansas Times, and AY Magazine. The Mighty Rib Facebook page has an estimated monthly reach of about half a million viewers. Kevin talks to us about how he transformed his hobby into a career. He built trust amongst a digital audience and why he chooses to spotlight restaurants and their staff in his writing rather than himself. Now let's get to the episode. But before we do, let's talk about content strategy and video for marketing your business. Our team at Content Titan is committed to great storytelling no matter what industry you're in. It's crucial to engage, entertain, inform, and captivate your audience. And video is the best way to do it. Having worked with people and organizations of all shapes and sizes, our team has the experience to deliver the right content at the right price. We are easy to do business with, and we know how to get you results. Visit contenttitan.co to learn more. Now here's the episode with Kevin Shalin. Kevin, thanks, man. I appreciate you jumping in and uh, hanging out with us on the podcast for the day. Um, You've got a wildly popular food blog, social media accounts. Um, I kind of just want to start with how the heck did you get into that world? Well, I was living in Houston. It's about 12 years ago now, and um, I was a high school teacher, uh, married, two children, looking for kind of a hobby. I used to be a writer in college, sports writer in Texas, and um, I wanted to kind of scratch that writing itch again, and uh, I figured, you know, I, th- I think I can, I can write about food every day. I, I knew nothing about food other than I, I love to eat, and uh, that was enough at the beginning. And uh, I started uh, my blog, The Mighty Rib, uh, and about six months after that, I got a freelance gig with the Houston Press. And that's when really things took off for me, where I, I started doing anything and everything that they, any assignment that they had. And, um, you know, restaurant openings, events, wine tastings, anything that the editor had on, on her desk. And she, we had a team of writers there, and uh, I jumped on just about everything. And really loved it and enjoyed it. And uh, the blog started for about, it, it ran for about a year in, in Houston. And then my family, we moved to uh, Boston for another year. My wife finished her training. She's a physician. Uh, so we spent one year in Boston. I did the same thing. I really dove into the, the Boston scene because I didn't know if I was going to be there for a year or the rest of my life. So I was like, if I'm going to be here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really get to know the town. And, and I did. Um, and then uh, she, my wife got an interview at UAMS, and um, we came down here, and we've been here 10 years. Very cool. Well, yeah. I, I've been here 10 years as well, so yeah. I guess 2012? 2012 we got here. Yeah. Awesome. Right around this time, you know, it was hot out in, in July and uh, June, July, right into the June, end of June is when we got here. And uh, I knew nothing about Little Rock, absolutely nothing, knew no one, had no, no friends here, um, and... Uh, to think that I'd be sitting here right now 
as you know entrenched into this community as I am, boy, I, I never thought it would happen. Well, it's interesting because you know the power of words and especially the power of our stomach. Right? Yeah. So, you know, when I think about what life is all about in some regards, it's you know we work so that we can go do things like eat at fun restaurants and enjoy wine tastings and things like that. And and you kind of get to do that as a, a both a passion and sort of a job in a yeah, sense. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of the perfect job in my mind. Do you see it that way? I, I, it is. Um, you know, I started is it was a hobby and it's kind of developed into it morphed into this um, really cool job. I, I don't monetize anything with the Mighty Rib, my personal blog, but I am a freelance food writer. And uh, over the years, I've written for just about every publication in this area. Uh, some for lengthy periods of time, like only in Arkansas.com, who I still write for. I've been writing for them for about seven years. I was a food editor um, for AY Magazine for a couple years. So, and, you know, in I, I just wrote an article for Arkansas Times that came out yesterday. So, um, you know, you, you kind of you work your way around and, and you just keep getting the word out there. Which is a really interesting concept because, you know, being in the creative world and the content world, um, Obviously, we get commissioned to do a lot of different projects that people hire us to do, but the really fun ones are the ones that nobody hires us to do. It's just we go out, we do it because it's something we want to do. It's our passion, and mm-hmm. um, and and you've built quite the loyal following. People that take what you say to heart. And do you feel the pressure of that within the the hobby side of it, or do you just still see it as something fun and and it's just whatever you want to do, you do? Uh, it's a balance, without a doubt. It, yes, it is fun to me, but I take what I do very seriously. It, it's and I try to be as professional as I can, because the bottom line is that uh, words matter. I've always said that, and when you put words on a public forum, any public forum, people see them. And they can have a positive impact or a tremendously negative impact. And I want the reader to know that I'm genuine and that I care. And But they can also um, trust my opinion um, no matter what. Uh, restaurants don't, don't pay me to show up. They don't, I don't get any freebies. Um, you know, like I said, the blog isn't monetized. There's no advertising. So it is very important to me that the reader trust me. It's it is of the utmost importance to me uh, that they trust what I'm saying. Um, and I also try to be as respectful as I can to the restaurant, uh, to the people in the industry, uh, to give my honest opinion, but also to do it in a manner that um, I'm not uh, offending anyone and just being respectful. I love it. Yeah. Let's talk about the nature of... of- blogging, social media, how it all kind of works these days, because I'm sure over the last 10 years, it's changed and morphed how you connect to your audience. Absolutely. Um, You know, I'll say back in the day, blogging was, you have some sort of website, um, and you write a post, you maybe put a couple pictures, and you kind of find ways to get that out to people. And now, the blog's almost secondary, I would think, to the social media content. So, how do you define blogging right now versus what it was? Boy, that's an excellent question. I think that's one I think about all the time because when I started 12 years ago, you're right. First thing I did was jump on online and, and find a, a blogger site that was free that I could start my website. And I wrote every single day. I had an entry every single day. And if you go on my actual site now, themightyrib.com, I haven't posted something in months and months. You know, it, it has changed significantly. It is all about short snippets 
It's about videos. It, you know, the reader does not have a, a very long attention span anymore. Uh, podcasts have taken over. So as someone um, who is, quote, you know, quote unquote, a blogger, I think the main thing is you have to, if you want to stay relevant, you have to keep adapting um, and, and know what your audience wants. One of the things that I realized early on, and, and this has just gotten more and more the case, is that I keep my writing short and concise. I don't, you know, I think the reader wants to know, they want to trust me. And if they trust me, they don't need a thousand words to prove that they can trust me. You know, they just need to know, do I need to go to that restaurant? And I'll tell them, this is a place you need to go to. The rest is up to you. I don't want to get in the way. It, it, it's, it's up to you to figure out what exactly you like about that place and, and you form your own opinions. But I think the reader can trust me to, when, I, when I say something and they're not going to get bogged down with a bunch of words and information. So I think it just has, to, as you probably know, it just has to get more and more concise. And now videos have taken over. Uh, so I'm trying to like adjust and adapt and, and get in that world. You know, reels on, on Instagram are huge and I still haven't made the TikTok plunge. But, you know, I'm I'm about to be 45. These things, you know, I don't want to <laughs> these things are a little more difficult for someone. I'm not a young guy anymore. Well, that's a great point. And it's really interesting, though, because I talk to our clients all the time. You know, ultimately, the goal isn't just make a piece of content. It's really find your audience and communicate to them where they're at. Mm -hmm. And just like, you know, when we were growing up, we'd watch cable television and we'd watch Nickelodeon or Disney Channel or whatever. And then it moved into ESPN and we're changing the channel based on our interests. And I think a lot of people are still trying to grasp the idea that platforms are now kind of like channels and accounts are shows within those channels, right? So mm. it's, it's intuitive, but it's also kind of... Uh, effort it takes effort mm -hmm. to to make that change and be willing to move from posting a blog every day to now building that same following or that same audience and moving them to a different channel um did you see that challenge happen or did it just naturally occur oh i, I saw it happen yeah without a doubt it wasn't something that was so natural um but one, you know you make some excellent points there and and one of the things that that really stand out for me that i see that I feel like bloggers make a mistake with and or influencers, whatever you want to call them, is I feel like they make themselves um, the focal point. And, you know, with, with what I do, the focal point is the restaurant. It's the employees. It's the our community. I'm part of that, but I never want to make my face the focal point. And what I find is, well, that's for good reasons on a variety of levels, but from what I find is when I'm following people, I see them just putting their face in front of the camera constantly. As the reader, that might hold up for a while, but you're going to get tired of it because the, the thoughts go into our head like, why is this all about them? I mean, I put my face in front of my blog, but I do it sporadically because I know that the reader will get tired of that. And they need to know that it isn't about me. It's about my voice and my opinions, and I interject it with our interaction with the readers, but I am not the centerpiece of the blog. And I feel like that is just a tremendous mistake that, um, that people make nowadays because, you know, in actuality, they, they just want to see themselves in front of a camera. And I, I think that is a mistake in a large part. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, one of the things that we practice around here and, and I talk to people about all the time 
Um, there's an author by the name of Donald Miller. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of him, mm -hmm. but he's been around for quite a while. And several years ago, he wrote a book called Story Brand. And it's really kind of this systematic approach to creating narrative storytelling for brands um, from a marketing perspective. But really, it, it works for everybody. And the principal point that he talks about from a marketing perspective is the brand is not the hero of the story. The brand should be the guide. It should be the one that helps your consumer, your viewer, your customer get from the ordinary average everyday person to become the hero that they want to be in their own life. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Yep. You aren't the hero. Yep. You're the guy that gets that viewer from wondering where to eat tomorrow to having the answer and telling their friends, hey, let's go here. And then ultimately being the hero of that story because they followed your advice. Yeah. And there's so many layers to it when you look at food. And, and that was the thing that was so fascinating to me from day one is all these different things that I can do that, yeah, food is is right there in the center, front and center. But, you know, there are so many other avenues Um I've changed, you know, quite a bit through the years where I was so excited about the food. Now I'm so excited about telling people about the food. That's what gets me excited. I'm, I really love um, featuring people in the industry. That, that gives me a lot of joy. And I think, in that, you know, when you think of it on a larger scale, I just love playing this part, my part in, in building, help build our food community here in Little Rock, Central Arkansas, wherever you want to call it, even Arkansas in, 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 in general, because I, I've been getting out and about and throughout the state. So there's just so many layers to this. And that's what has, has been so appealing to me all these years and in changing it up. Um, I think you've got to be able to adapt not only in like what type of mediums am I using, but also your message, you know, I, I don't want to get too sticky. I don't want to be this guy that's always trying to crack a joke, but I think humor is a big part of what I do. Um, you know, it, some, some days it, you know, it calls for me being serious. If a restaurant closes, I'm not going to have some little, you know, funny joke about it. So I, I think the reader, when you're constantly adapting and changing your message, it keeps the interest, the reader interested. One of the things I talk about a lot as well is, is the idea of human to human connection. And anything any of us do when we put a piece of content out into the world, it's not to interact with a dog or a horse or a rock or a house or a car. It's to interact with another human. Mm -hmm. Do you see any challenges trying to do that when you're talking about food and showing food and restaurants as a, I mean, like you mentioned, the, the, goal i think for you is to show the people behind it but mm. but ultimately when when i look at your instagram account it's photos of food so how, yeah. how do you use that to connect on a human level well from day one i and i sometimes i look back at my first post on the blog interaction was was what i wanted to focus on i really enjoy that interaction uh it it is one of the reasons why for, you know, for better or worse, Facebook is where I really excel. Uh, I like that platform. It allows folks to comment. It allows me to comment back, to have that conversation. And, but also to let people know that even when we're having our little conversation in this bigger, uh, you know, bigger thread, that um, 
be responsible, going back to what we talked about, be responsible about what you're posting. Because especially now that I've been here a while, I have a following. Uh, restaurateurs watch everything. They want to know what's going on. They follow the blog. And when they see someone comment, uh, you know, it, it hits home with them. And I, I think what I'm, uh, one of the things I'm most proud about is I feel like that interaction has gotten a lot more professional. I'm always, you're always going to have your trolls. You're always going to have people that, are, that just want to be negative for the sake of being negative. But I really feel like that has declined through the years. And I think people realize like this is a, a platform where they can air their opinions, voice their opinions, but do so in a manner that's going to be beneficial. I'm all for constructive criticism. I'm all for people showing up and, and speaking their mind. But you can choose your words wisely and still get your point across. And I, I think that's one of the things I do when I'm critiquing restaurants. I can let that reader know, like, this place, you know, stay away from that dish. Or it was an off night, you know, and I don't have to bash the restaurant. So going back to the interaction, I, I just feel like it's important that, you know, we... We're not. Fr I'm not friends with many of the readers, but I feel like they know me, and I know a lot of them. You know, I I know all most of the people that that comment. It's because I'm I'm fully invested in it, and I and I enjoy it. Which brings up a whole other piece of the conversation that you know you talk about changing platforms and everything else. Now we've got the metaverse, right, where mm -hmm. people kind of interact on a, a digital level and they never interact in human capacities. Yeah. Um, do you see that becoming a way to have the, the blog kind of connect to more people? You know, I hope not. Uh, if I write something, eventually, I'm going to have to face the music. If I write something about a restaurant or an owner, eventually I'm going to run into that person in Kroger, you know. And I've got to be able to stand, by, stand behind my words and not, not worry about their, their reaction, what they think, because I'm, I'm comfortable with what, what I think. And... Um, I, I think that connection, that human connection is very important, especially in a town the size of Little Rock, which is something that has always been appealing to me. I love the size of this town. I call it a town because, you know, when you grow up in Houston, Texas, most of your life, um, you know, they have suburbs that are 10 times the size of Little Rock. I love, love, loving in Little Rock, love living in Little Rock because I can see... Um, when I post something, I can see it helping change the community. That in, in Houston and when I was in Boston, it's hard to see that. So I want to be able to connect with the audience. I don't want to just hide behind a computer screen. I want them to know that I'm a real human being that cares. Uh, you know, I, I, that personal con connection is, is very important to me. All right, let's talk a little bit about being kind of the other side of it, the, the professional food writer that gets paid to write. Um, do you have to switch one side of your brain off and switch the other one on to kind of remember that you're doing now a, a commissioned gig as opposed to the, the side hobby? Is there a difference in the way you communicate or is it the same person, the same message? You just draw a line down the channel that it's being distributed on. It really, I think it varies from publication to publication. Um, uh, I, I feel like when I write something on you know, a paid gig, I'll probably, you know, I'll write it. I'll probably review it three or four or five times at least, edit it, uh, make sure it's, you know, the grammar is, is on point and 
when I'm doing something for the Mighty Rib, it's just kind of, it's more conversational, you know, and um, I like both of them. I like both ways, and I'm glad I can, I'm fortunate enough to do both things, um, but it really depends, and you get a feel for what the editor wants. Uh, I, I'll go back to only in Arkansas.com, like, I've been writing for them for six, seven years now, and I feel like my writing has adapted to being more conversational, uh, a little less, a little more informal, which has always made me more comfortable. Um, but yeah, I, I've done a couple pieces this year for the local palette, which is, is a big uh, regional magazine in the southeast here, and you know, it's just a different style. I want to be as professional and structured as I can, and you know, if I end up doing more pieces for them, maybe it'll, it'll will allow me to be a little more of who I am, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Um, all right, so you've got this weight of people listening to what you say and taking it with you, but then that also provides another interesting dynamic to your influence, and that's your ability to do things with nonprofits and other organizations that help people who don't have the luxury of going out to eat. So talk to me a little bit about some of the other things that you're involved in um, and, and kind of how you got connected. One of the things I've been working, striving for the last few years is to get up, um, my platform to a level where I know I'm reaching a lot of people and to use that now to do some good beyond just uh, getting people to go into a restaurant or to buy this coffee or, or what have you or support a cottage baker. I really want to uh, start shifting it to getting involved in, in some nonprofits. Uh, last few couple of years, I've been working with the Arkansas Hunger Relief Alliance, who they have their big event tonight, by the way, serving up solutions. Give a little plug for that. Um, and I just in the last couple of months have gotten involved with the Ronald McDonald House, the local chapter. And, and uh, yeah, I, I want to focus on either kids or, or fighting hunger or combination of both. And it's just really nice now to have the platform that when I post something, it I can get some people on board or I can get a, a company to donate something, whereas I'm not like begging them to do it. And I'm not like, oh, this is who I am. You know, this is what I do. You know, I don't have to explain myself as much anymore. And that makes such a big difference. And I don't get caught up in the numbers and like, you know, like, how many people I have, how many Facebook followers or Instagram, but it is, it is important to me now that I've reached a stage and I am part of this community and I can make an impact in, in areas. I, you know, if I want to get passionate about nonprofit work, I can do that now and I can feel comfortable about it. And, and that is so enjoyable for me and, and so rewarding. I love it. Um, what's the ultimate sort of when you, lay down at night what runs through your mind on what a successful day looks like i i always think like did i do at least one thing that i, I helped somebody in in some manner it could be tiny um someone reached out to me last week and she was looking for a bartender job and part of me just wanted to gloss over it and say just it's just one person that is looking for a bartender job. I'm not going to put a post out that that says anybody hiring for a bartender job. I've done things like that, but I didn't want to do it. 
and I and then a day or two went by, and um, I said, you know, I I need to like make an effort here because this could really help somebody, and I saw just a random person who I follow in the industry. She posted a job, a bartending job. I knew it was a good bartending job, so I screenshotted it. I actually reached out to the person, and I said, I think this is a good position. I think you should go for it, and. She's like, thank you. I didn't hear back from her for a week. Well, she replied yesterday and said, I got the job. I just want to thank you. I mean, something like that is just like as good as it gets for me. And if I can do like one thing like that a day where I can feel it's like kind of rewarding and I can feel good about things, um, that really is my goal. I mean, I, I don't I don't look at it in anything beyond that. Um, if, if I can post about um, some donuts and someone tells me, the week after, man, there was, there was uh, 30 people waiting in line. I mean, what, how does it get any better than that? I mean, that's why I do what I do. I, I enjoy that. It's very rewarding for me. Um, and that's really all I, I go about, it, you know, just trying to figure out, can I do some good? And, and, and how can I keep changing it up? And how can I do a variety of things? Um, I do these big dinners. I did my first one in two, over two years because of COVID. I stopped doing them uh, where I host usually anywhere from 50 to 75 people and we rotate every about every six weeks I choose a restaurant and I say I all I tell the restaurant is I want you to create a a four or five course menu it's got to be creative it's got to be something different and have fun with it and I'll make sure 50 to 75 people are there I'll collect all the money you don't have to worry about all you have to worry about is hosting us is is cooking that food and chefs get usually get pretty excited about that because they're tired of cooking the same thing. And it's it's just a wonderful event. And those are the things that I, I enjoy doing. If I can if I can string together six or seven of those things at once where I'm 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 thinking about them and doing a podcast like this, those are the things that really excite me. And you know, if I was just sitting down and doing the same thing over and over again, I'd I'd get I'd get tired of it, but I really like mixing it up and, and it, it's just, it's so enjoyable. I love that. And that, that's truly the power of a social networking and B influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and thankfully you use it for, for good, yeah. you know, because I think there's a lot of people out there that take advantage of that influence and, um, don't necessarily do evil things with it, but they don't do anything good with it. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about these, these kind of group dinners, especially, um, like you said, for two years, we were kind of locked down on doing fun things like that, but also community changing things because I've always been a big believer that, you know, community and life happens over food mm-hmm. and there's plenty of other experiences that we do, but nothing really gives us the opportunity to build relationships, create communal bonds, like having a meal together. Um, so when you have these dinners, is it the same 50, 75 people coming every time or are you creating new pockets of, of people that now have something in common together? Well, for this, the most recent one, I have a private group of about 150 people that they, a lot of these folks come to my dinners, but I always post it on my blog. Anyone can show up. But through the years, you know, I would say at least 75% of the people attending, they're regulars. Uh, one of the reasons is it sells out. These dinners sell out in about 10 minutes. And so they know, like, if I want a ticket, I got to jump on it. But I, I really love when someone new shows up because um, that can get, kind of get them immersed in what, what I'm doing and what we're trying to create. And 
food is the great unifier. I know that sounds kind of cliche and sappy, but it's true. It's, it's, it's always appealed to me. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, so the first uh, dinner we, we did coming back from COVID uh, last Sunday, it was at Brood and Barley, one of my favorite new restaurants. I think it's one of the better restaurants in this area, period, not just new. And we had 52 people there. It could have been bigger, but I just don't want it to be bigger. It gets, you, know, you lose that intimacy. And it was great. You know, they went above and beyond. We had beer pairings and we had, you know, we had the whole restaurant. It was, it was on a Sunday when the restaurants closed. So we had, it was a, you know, a private affair and the food was great. And that's, that's wonderful. But the highlight for me of that evening is, you know, the chef is talking about each course and, at the end of the night, I get up and I, I thank the chef and I thank everyone for being there. And this chef, Chef Brain McFadden, he brought out his entire crew that worked that night. And he didn't just get up there and say, hey, guys, great job. Everyone give him a run. He told stories and it allowed the, uh, the diners to really connect with the restaurant in a way that you just can't. When you when you walk into a place on a typical night, and to see that these are these are humans, um, and they care, and it is a very difficult thing to pull off a four or five course dinner. It's not just the, pl- the food just shows up and think that's it. Planning hours and hours of planning, execution, getting the right ingredients, hoping the ingredients get delivered properly, especially nowadays. So I think it was very important for the diners to see that and. Um, and to make that impact and, and, and to, to uh, just have a better understanding of, of what it's like when they go out to eat. And, and when they see the humans behind it, when they hear the stories, maybe they'll be a little less likely to complain on social media or and do it in a man, a, complain in a manner that's unprofessional. So that is, that is a really good part of, of these dinners is, is, yes, bringing people together, but also letting them see um, the, the other side, kind of behind the, the curtain. That wraps up basically my entire life passion all in yeah. one thing, which is great storytelling, human, human connection and good food. And, yeah. um, I'm, I'm getting more and more jealous of the fact you get to do this all the time. So, uh, we may have to just change directions completely in this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's amazing. And, and I think, um, first of all, I need to get in this group so I can. Yeah, I'll add you. I'll add you that right after the interview. Um, but, but I think there's so much to that because there's there's a, a fine line between sort of complaining and critiquing, mm-hmm. right? And we complain about something because we don't have a connection to the person or the entity. We just think they should have done better. We critique when they we know the story and we know they can do better, mm-hmm. and maybe they missed the mark. Yep. And I think it's really interesting that essentially that that helps change a culture because, I mean, in my own world, when when people complain about the work we do, as opposed to critique it with with construction, you know, constructive criticism, um, it sort of deflates you a little bit Mm -hmm. and makes you not want to do it as much. Mm -hmm. But when people know the story and they know the heart behind you and they give you almost more encouragement that you can do better or you can maybe add more salt, not as much salt, whatever, that 
that inflates my balloon it makes me feel more empowered that you know what they're right i can do better i should do better they deserve better and they meant that in the best way possible in that regard do you feel like when you post something or when you put a story out it it motivates people to do better do you feel like sometimes it, it sort of takes the wind out of their sails I, I really hope it does i hope it motivates people to do better and you know we spent a lot of this conversation talking you know, focusing on the reader but you know, the, the respect, I'm trying to earn the respect of the restaurateurs too. I want them to respect what I'm doing because that means if, if I write something, they'll read it and go, you know what? I kind of respect this guy. Maybe he's right. Rather than, 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 than them thinking, oh, this is some guy that's looking to get clicks and this is why he said this negative thing and I don't, you know, that takes years. That takes years. And I'm sure there's still chefs and restaurateurs out there that see my name pop up and go, Ugh, this guy. And that's just part of it. You know, I, I get that. But I think for the most part, I want them to respect me. That doesn't mean they have to agree with me. That doesn't have to mean that they have to like what I'm saying. But the restaurateurs, to me, that really get it are the ones that can accept the, the cr constructive criticism and go, you know what? All right, I get it. Thank you for pointing that out. I know you're not looking to bash me because I'm not. Uh, I, I hate writing negative things. Nothing makes me more exciting, excited than when I go out and I eat a piece of pizza that is amazing and I can't wait to get in my car, drive home, collect my thoughts, and, and post about it. That makes me, that gets me very excited. If I eat a terrible meal, the audience deserves to know about it in some form, but I'm not like relishing in it. Uh, and I just I just think it's important that there we have this mutual respect, not just from me and the reader, but me and the restaurateur and our whole community, all three of us, me, the reader, the restaurateur, we have to be going back and forth. And I really hope that's something I think that's something people see. I really hope it is. Uh, and it, it is top priority for me. It, it is very important. That's awesome. What's the biggest challenge you face every day? What's the thing that you're like, man, I wish I didn't have to deal with this piece of it? Um, boy, that's a good question. You know, I don't like dealing with uh, some of the trolls. Uh, it's very easy to respond quickly and negatively to them. And sometimes I'll, I'll have something written up. And before I push send, I'll erase it. I always take the high road. Always be professional. That's taken me years to uh, fine-tune. I've had some moments that, I, uh, looking back, um, I wish I could have changed and I could have done better. But you can't, you can't take you know, back the past. Um, you know, only can, do, only can try to do as, as good as you can in the moment. And I, I keep going back to that word professional. It, it's just it's, uh, it's a constant work in progress to... Um, to do your best you can to be a leader. I feel like I can uh, be a leader in this food community. And to be a leader, you've got to, you know, conduct yourself in a manner that uh, people can respect. And, and, and if you, you know, fly off the handle, it's easy to do that. No one's going to win. I'm going to end up looking bad in the long term and uh, the restaurant will look bad and, and no one wins in that, in that. So, um, the things that I don't like about it, that's, that is, that it's interesting because if I don't like something, I just stop doing it. That, that's the beauty when there's no money involved. I'm only working on things I want to do. 
I'm sitting in front of you right now because I'm excited to do this. You know, like I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. And if I don't feel comfortable with it, I'll move on to something else. That's a great perspective. And, yeah. and you know, I think in, in some regards, you're lucky to be in that position. But in others, you've put yourself there on purpose. And yeah. I think that's really awesome that you've you've been able to kind of get to the point at least, you know, and, and it's like that for all of us. It's a, it's a kind of constant stage of growing and, and maturing in different areas. But especially, I think, with social media, because people can hide behind it. You know, even though their name may be attached to a comment and you want to fire back at them because they were troll or they were saying mm-hmm. something rude or wrong, um, taking the high road is always the, the safe and better thing to do. Yeah, you, when you get involved with, with people online, in the moment, it might feel great. But I always tell myself, when I wake up tomorrow, am I going to be proud of, of that that interaction? So, and, and again, seven, eight years ago, I wasn't like this. I've really changed through the years. It's just not worth it. And in the end, you just want to, you want to try to be as positive as you can uh, because you're trying to lift people up. Um, but you know, going back to the social media angle and, and I, I think people, uh, they just want instant success. Everything we're talking about today has taken years and years to develop. It's grown organically. And so many bloggers, influencers phase out because they think they're going to start something and that every, like thousands and thousands of people are going to follow them. And every now and then that happens. But for the most part, it takes years of just grinding and grinding. It was seven. No, no one knew who I was for the first five or six years I lived in life. Five years. No one knew who I was. You certainly didn't know. No one knew it. I wouldn't be doing podcasts. It, it, that takes work and work to be able to just have the opportunity to be sitting and have a conversation with you. I never take that for granted. And anytime someone reaches out to me with help, I always remember when I was at that stage in Houston, and I would reach out to these big food writers that I was nervous about contacting. And you know what? They never, they never responded. They never helped. And I never forgot that. And I try my very best, if anyone has a question, anything, that I respond in a timely manner. And that, that's important to me. Well, that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is essentially, you know, I love to, to be able to provide tips and tricks for people who may be interested in starting their own platform or their own sort of side channel. Um, if, if if you were having to start today from square one, what would be your best advice? Uh, pick something, pick a channel that you really connect with and that you feel comfortable with and see where it blossoms from there. And don't let people make fun of you. Yeah, I, I'm sure people still make fun of me like, man, Facebook is, is for dinosaurs. Well, we're reaching a lot of people and I'm proud of that. And that's where I feel comfortable with. Do I wish I at times felt more comfortable on Instagram? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm on Instagram and I just don't connect with it. So my advice would be find an avenue, a medium that you really are comfortable with getting your voice across to the audience and develop that and see where it goes. And, and from that point, also just immerse yourself. Do as many different things as you can. And some of them you're going to hate. Something you're going to love, something you're going to look back and go, I cannot believe I did that. Half the things I did 10 years ago, I look back and go, why did I waste my time doing that? But it, you're just building, you're building. Um, and that's what I would encourage folks to do. Do something you really love. Do it uh, for the enjoyment. Don't do it for 
the uh, appeal of reaching a lot of people. Again, the first year I did my blog, I reached like literally four people. Seriously. And I didn't care because I was I was writing, I was I, I was I was going to these events, and that's all that mattered to me. And everything else came eventually because I stuck with it. And so many people don't stick with it. They do it for about four or five months. Oh, I don't have uh, 5,000 followers? What, what? I thought this was the internet. I thought you could snap my fingers. No, you got to grind. And, um, and that grind also has to be kind of fun too. That helps. So, I love the mentality that uh, an overnight success started five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, it's like... yeah. People are like, man, you've got all these followers. Yeah. That if I could show, I'll show you the stats of how long it told, it took me to build that basically like 10 people a day. Uh, that's if you're fortunate. And again, that, that just takes a tremendous commitment. It, it, it's, it's the interactions going back and forth. It's answering people taking that time. It's not work to me. I, I really enjoy it. And then so many things come from that writing gigs, freelance gigs, interviews, uh, you know, dinner events, just, just, just so many layers to it. And it's constantly changing. And, and that's what just kind of keeps me motivated. So I want to talk a little bit about the, the Arkansas food scene. Um, you know, I'm fortunate I get to travel quite a bit. I'm sure you've been around, you know, Houston, great foodie town now. Boston's got great places to eat. Um, I was just in Charleston, amazing food in Charleston, Italy. I mean, you know, like I'm very fortunate that I don't go <laughs> yeah. too long without being around great restaurants. Uh, and, and like we said earlier, we've both been here for about 10 years. And actually the, the food scene changed here quite a bit in those 10 years. Um, talk to me a little about the, the comparison of the central Arkansas food scene to, you know, Boston, Houston, other places. Like, what do you see from a quality perspective or unique atmosphere perspective? Uh, yeah. So again, you got to go back to the size. So we're, we're a small town, 200,000 in the area, you know, six, 700,000. I think if you make a decision to live someplace, you need to embrace it and see, and, and see all the wonderful things because you chose to live there for a reason. That's the way I, I kind of went into with Little Rock. But for our size, I think we're doing pretty darn well, honestly. There is a lot to be proud of in our food scene here. The thing that really stands out from, to me is you've got these, a group of restaurants, let's, uh, maybe 10 or 15 of them, that have been around for 30 plus years, the trios, the brave news of the world, the Black Angus, which I just popped in for lunch yesterday, um, Faded Rose, Doe's Eat Place. These places are still as popular as ever. And when I write about them on the blog, people still go crazy for these places. And I love that. I think it's just as important to go crazy over a place that has been open 40 years as it is from New Kid on the Block. That gets all the pub, everyone's you know, this is this and this is that. And that's great. I love reporting on it all. Um, but I've, I've always um, really been impressed with our, our food community, with how they've embraced these restaurants that have, have been here for a long time. And these restaurants, the reason they are still in existence is, is one word. It's consistency. Trios is not reinventing the wheel. They're not going to be confused with upscale fine dining 
but I've never had a bad meal there. I've never had a bad meal at the pantry. I've eaten at the pantry, I don't know, probably a hundred times in, in, in my 10 years. Never had a bad meal there. I've, I had bad meals everywhere. And their consistency that they show is uh, why they are so embraced by our community. And I, I love that. But I love our new restaurants. I wish we had more uh, chef-driven places. If I had to be completely honest, I feel like there is this shift now and I'm sure COVID has not helped with this, where we're going to, to fast casual more, now more than ever. But I would love to see a couple more chef-driven restaurants pop up. I think we're going to have one next year in Georgia's um, in the Heights on Kavanaugh. But once it does get built, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that that might be one of those chef-driven restaurants to get excited about. All right. Well, I have to ask because... Everybody wants to know, but know. <laughs> if you had to pick a yeah, favorite, and, and here's the thing, I kind of categorize experiences with restaurants into three different categories. One is atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Two is, of course, the cuisine, the food, the preparation, the, the dish, the taste. And then three is the chef or the staff or the, the people that make the restaurant what it is. So I'll give you three answers. Okay. <laughs> but but what, what, how would you answer based on those three categories well i always kind of think of it in terms of almost like price point and and um like you know upscale or just more of a neighborhood type joint um so if i'm going like where you can just show up in t-shirts and, and short shorts um i love and it's not even really a, technically a restaurant but i love going into k hall uh, produce and, and grocery store and they have a little area where you can a counter area you can walk up and you can order hamburgers and and fried catfish and and fried pork chops and I love that you can just stroll up there and and you know order anything you want and then you can do a little grocery shopping and you've got like such an essence of that neighborhood there and that place has been there I don't know for 50 years at least so uh, going back, it's another historical place. I love K Hall. I love feeling the the vibe in there and being around folks and and just that that energy. So K Hall definitely stands out uh, for me. I love the hidden gem, uh, and there's not a more hidden gem. Uh, I'm going to give you two hidden gems. I'm going to end up giving you four places. Break the rules, man. Right, Do it. Break the, <laughs> uh, the ultimate hidden gem for me. I love Mexican food. I'm from Houston. Uh, is El Palenque. I've been writing about them for years. They're tucked in off Rodney Parham, uh, and uh, that is the ultimate hidden gem. I think it's the best Mexican food restaurant in the area. Now, is it more authentic Mexican or Tex-Mex style? I would say it leans more, kind of more towards Tex-Mex. Um, best enchiladas, great burritos, um, and they've expanded. I think they used to get angry at me when I'd write about them because they were this tiny restaurant. But now they've kind of doubled in size, so that's that's good. Uh, one place I love recommending to people is Milford Track. I could give the uh, give you the address, and you still wouldn't be able to find it. That's how much of a hidden gem it is. But they used to, they still do. They make their own pasta to order. What what place does that? They make pasta to order, like from scratch. Uh, that's a great story to me. That that's exciting. Those are the those little things that I really love uh, reporting on. And finally. Um, I have really been impressed with Alsop and Chapel in 
in downtown here. And one of the reasons that I've been so impressed is when I first went there, I'm going to say almost probably four years ago now, three, four years ago, I didn't have a good experience and uh, had a bad piece of fish, just wasn't great. And I didn't go for about a year. And that's a thing about the blog that I really like is that I kept listening to people. They kept posting like, I'm having a great meal. I'm having a great meal. Well, after you hear, you know, 50 people who you trust and respect speak glowingly about a place, I'm ready to get back on board and see what, maybe it was a bad night. Maybe they've had, maybe they have a different chef now. Uh, And it's turned into one of my favorite restaurants. I had that same experience happen at Chalbachi where I didn't have a good experience at first. I think it's, you know, both those places I would put in my top five right now. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine having a better steak in Little Rock than Alsop. Their filet is, is fantastic. It's a great experience. It's, it's, it's an upscale vibe, but uh, it's still Little Rock, so it's not too hoity-toity. Um, but those are the places that I love that, you know, maybe I didn't have a great experience the first time around. I listened to the audience. They, they told me to give it another shot, and I did, and it's been great ever since. So... Uh, I think I ended up giving you four. I could go on <laughs> I'll all take day. It. I, you <laughs> know what? I'll take the long list. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still, I love to, to obviously eat out and, and try different foods. Um, you know, half the time I feel like I keep going back to the normal places that you just kind of know and trust. Um, it's funny, my probably favorite just go-to dish in central Arkansas is, and, and it's at both Cheers and Samantha's. You know where I'm going? Yeah, I know where you're going. The, the chopped salad. salmon salad. <laughs> the salad. Yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know. It's just, it's so good. It's always fresh and it's always just yeah. on point. Consistent, like you said. I mean, the consistency is yeah. always there. So um, it's, yeah, it's it's got to be one of my top, probably three dishes in, in central Arkansas, which is ironic. But it, It's such a well-executed dish. It's beautiful and it tastes great. And yeah, the thing about restaurants like cheers you get in such a zone with what you like and the last time i was there with my youngest daughter i forced myself to order something other than the salmon salad i like <laughs> forced myself to do it just so i could uh be a little more well-rounded writer about a restaurant but yeah it's hard sometimes that's hard for me when you know i i'm like a regular diner i just wanted some things you like you like what you like and i'm constantly trying to to educate the audience and and write about different dishes and I'm I'm I don't order what I love sometimes and that that that's kind of tough. It's a little bit of a challenge. But to your point um so, and it's one thing that I've really tried working on is that one of the things I figured out early on is that we are so set in our ways as diners and 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 part of that is we don't like to go more than 10 minutes from our house to eat out. I want to encourage people to get out of their comfort zone. Go to neighborhoods that they don't necessarily go to a lot. Uh, it's okay to cross the river. That, that goes for people in North Little Rock, too. Not just Little Rockers who uh, say, I'm not crossing the river. Cross the river. Argentus 10 minutes away. So let's throw the excuses to, to, a side, to the side. Like, like, there's no excuse that this place is too far. I want to... Part of the, the goal of building a community is to get people to go to places, to be aware of restaurants that they didn't know existed, and to go to them. And, and if I can be a leader and, an example, and set an example like, 
oh man, I didn't, I've been living here all my life. I didn't know about K Hall. Well, if this guy's eating there and it looks like a really good, man, I like that looking, that's a good looking burger. Let me go see if I can try it. Well, in my mind, all you have to do is go to K Hall once and you'll be hooked. So if I can be that person to motivate others, that, that is, that's as good as it gets. I love that. And I'll jump on that bandwagon. Um, I just got back from Italy, which was an amazing trip, but you know, in Florence, Italy, for example, you walk everywhere there. I mean, driving is not really an option and to walk 15 minutes, you know, three quarters of a mile across the town, you don't think twice about it. Yeah. And you explore along the way, but you know, we're such a, a convenience driven society here in Little Rock in central Arkansas and in most of America, mm-hmm. you know, it's not until you really get into the big urban communities that, you know, you can choose to walk or take an Uber or drive or whatever. Um, and, and it forces you to explore more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you're exactly right. You know, we, we get so convenience driven. We don't want to leave our neighborhood. That extra five, 10 minute drive is just, ugh, if just... I hear someone tell me they will not go west of the Missis- of Mississippi, you know, to go out to eat, or vice versa, that, or I'm not going to go south to 6:30. Those types of comments. You want to know things that piss me off? It's those types of comments where I'm like, it's right there, y'all. And can you imagine if you get you and five of your friends to go? You can change a business's livelihood. Uh, that's important. We need to do that. And I want to uh, shed light on these places and make people aware that we have them here. There are so many places that people have no idea exist. They've been living here their whole life. They have no idea exist. Well, I've spent the last 10 years finding these places. I'm going to continue to do that because I love it. And I want to let people know about them. That, that is, again, I go back to the word rewarding. I mean, when I go into off baseline and find a, um, a taqueria and, and, and write about it and then I get people that are not used to traveling to that neighborhood that that's where it's at for me I really love that well I think your blog is doing it your your content you're putting out you're getting awareness out I think it's all a great thing if I could encourage any restaurant owners that are listening here um, be on these apps that people can download and and even if you don't need a reservation necessarily it gives people that mentality of what's out there because you know how many times have you said what what should we eat tonight or you know whatever Mm -hmm. and you just need that motivation and so i'm sure a lot of people end up seeing your posts and that makes a decision for them but we need something to help instigate that decision making process um so i'd love to see more places in central arkansas just be on the apps you know be make it easier for people to find you yeah it's a big deal and and restaurants need to step up there most restaurants are terrible on social media and uh they need to realize that it is of the utmost importance if they want to connect with your to the audience i see it all the time restaurants think they can open and they've got great food and that's enough it's not enough you need to value reaching uh potential customers more than just about anything if I always tell chefs, you can make the great, the best dish in the world, and if no one knows about it, what's the point? And uh, social media is, is front and center, and there's just so many places that don't value it yet. And I don't know what it's going to take uh, for them to do that, but I guess that will change over time. Hopefully it will. 
All right. Well, all this talk about food, I'm getting hungry. Yeah. It's getting close to lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. um, before I go into kind of our final little quick hit questions, yeah. is there anything else that you want to talk through that, that you know, is important to you and, and kind of your journey through food writing and the content you put out? I just I would like to encourage people to be supportive, and not just of of what I'm doing, uh, but other. There are great bloggers in this town uh, that are doing it. Uh, that were starting out like me many years ago. Support them, encourage them, follow them, uh, write comments, and uh, you know write comments to restaurants and encourage them to uh, to do to do more things, to do better things. They need that motivation as as well. Awesome. All right few quick hit questions and we'll go uh, find a tasty lunch spot. Yeah. Um, what's the best or latest book you've read or received? Oh, the best book I've, uh, I, I'm a sports guy and I forget the name of it now. I just read it, but it's the history of, of pitches in baseball. And you learn about every pitch that's ever been thrown, all the intricacies. And uh, I just kind of am fascinated by that. And that's, that's the, the baseball nerd in me. So I, I can't even remember the name of the book, but uh, if you ever want to know about every pitch that's ever been thrown, knuckleballs and splitters and sinkers, there's a book out there for you. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Um, what is part of your daily routine that you have to do? Uh, daily routine, a big part of it is uh, I usually spend an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours at a local coffee shop and doing my writing. Uh that has especially developed because of when COVID, I was kind of locked into the house, and now I just want to get out. I love that energy. I love being uh, in, and it's just easier for me to work and write uh, being in a coffee shop. So you'll, if you see me out and about, it's usually at a coffee shop. I rotate just because I like to spread the love. Guillermo's, Nexus, um, Fidel and Company, those uh, mugs, those are the places I like to, to work. Love it. Um, what is the best piece of advice you've either given or received uh excuses are for the week i remember when i was uh, just out of college and i had this office space type job uh one of the sales guys i was trying to get out of doing something he's like shaylin excuses are for the week and i you i think about that quote all the time like you just got to power through you don't need to hear the excuses and just do what you need to do and and uh and and don't make any excuses love it uh, do you have any newly formed habits, especially coming out of the COVID era? Oh man. Uh, besides Wordle, uh, <laughs> I do my dirt. I do the daily Wordle. Um, I really look forward to that. Um, gosh, I wouldn't say I have any new habits. Um, I'm so immersed in this food stuff. I, I, it's hard to take on other things. <laughs> totally get that. All right, if you wrote a book or if you could have a big billboard on 630 with a message on it, what would the title of the book be or what would the billboard say? If it was on the side of 630, I, you know, I want something that says, like, eat Little Rock. Uh, you know, I, I want people to know that embracing our food culture has a far bigger impact than just food. We're, we're building a community here, and food uh, can shed a light on a city and, and affect other areas profoundly. I'm a believer in that. But, you know, I, I want people to really embrace our dining scene here and whatever that is. And it's not just restaurants. It's our local bakers. It's the bakeries, the cottage bakers, the coffee shop owners, the farmers. My gosh, the farmer, farmer's markets. 
there are so many levels to this that go beyond restaurants, and I, I just want people to, to embrace them all in some capacity. Love your passion for it. All right, what's the best thing you've bought in the last year for less than $100? Uh, a juice squeezer at, uh, at eggshells. It's, I saw it, and I said, yeah, how do I not have that gadget? And uh, now I love it. It's, it's, it's pretty substantial. You know, you can juice a lime, and it just it, it's, it's good. I, I just bought that. um i know you like sports but what about music do you have any favorite artists or musicians absolutely pearl jam uh i've seen them in concert many times Uh, i've seen them in wrigley field i travel to see pearl jam i saw my first pearl jam concert in college in austin in a field the ramones opened for them and i still adore them on a more local level uh there's a guy named parker Millsap. he's He's performed in Little Rock several times. Just saw him a couple weeks ago at Whitewater. And somehow I, I lucked into, he's doing a house concert in a couple months here in Little Rock. And I'm really looking forward to that. I signed up and got on the list for that. So uh, those two are, are, are two musicians that I, that I just I adore. Well, I saved the best for last. We already talked about restaurants, but what is your favorite food or dish? Boy, um... I love Chinese food. It, that's nostalgic for me. We didn't have, we didn't eat out a lot when I was a kid. But what we did, it was Chinese food. Uh, so I, I love a good dumpling. That's that's probably my favorite thing. And I just broke the news this morning that Threefold is their second location is about to open in a couple of weeks, and you know that they're all about the dumplings. I love making dumplings. I love eating dumplings. I love all Chinese food. But if if I've got a great recipe, I make at home. I've made it for the last twenty years. I'm a dumpling, I tell us, I'm a dumpling whore. I mean, like, it, you know, that, that goes beyond, that. every country has a good dumpling, right? You know, you go to Italy, they got the ravioli, you go to, you know, Poland with the pierogi. Uh, so I, I am just a, uh, I embrace the dumpling format. <laughs> so, but pot stickers, whatever you want to call them, that's what I love. I love it. Yeah, and I saw that about threefold. I think now West Little Rock doesn't have to come downtown, so they're happy. They're very happy about that. Very happy, yep. Awesome. Well, Kevin, this has been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I am extremely hungry and can't wait to try some new stuff. But thank you so much for, uh, for jumping in here. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. If you liked this episode of Titans of Industry, head to contenttitan.co slash podcast for more episodes or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And if you know of an industry titan that's doing amazing things, let us know on social media or through our website so we can tell their story. Thanks for listening. 